grow, but we didn't know how fast. And again, we didn't think it was possible, but you did, and you provided. The next step, Lord, was we called a youth pastor. We had three kids, three kids in our youth ministry. Doesn't make sense to call a youth pastor, but again, you provided. You were there. You were faithful. The next step, Lord, is this building. There was many nights, prayer was lifted up. We were on our knees thinking, how is this possible? How can you provide? How can you make this work? But what we didn't understand, Lord, it wasn't about us. It was about you and glorifying you. We took that step in faith, and you were faithful to us. And it wasn't long that the church was growing after we got started, that we needed a children's wing. But again, how is that possible? We're carrying a lot of debt. We didn't know what to do, but we lifted it up to you in prayer, Lord, and again, you provided and you were faithful. Lord, I want to thank you today for the many, not only blessings, but for the grace that you give us and forgiveness uh, that we have every day. Lord, it's so easy to be self-centered, to think it's about us, to think it's about me, but Lord, it's not, it's about you. Help us continue to focus on you and do your will, Lord. I've just reflect back on how things have grown at this church. We're a young church, we're only 20 years old, or not even 20 years old. And it just fills my heart, Lord, to see the people coming up through our church. I remember the kids that were in nursery and down in the children's wing. And now those kids are growing up and their kids are here. And it's our chance again, Lord, to step out into faith and to depend on you and look for you to leadership. Lord, I want to thank you most of all for what you've done in our lives. As we celebrate communion today, help us to reflect on that. Help us to rejoice always, pray continually, and give you thanks in all circumstances. In your name we pray, amen. We praise you, God, for you are love. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. We praise you, God, for you are gracious. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. We praise you, God, for you are holy. There is no one holy like you, Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. We praise you, God, for you are just. You are the rock. Your works are perfect, and all your ways are just. A faithful God does no wrong. Upright and just are you. We praise you, God, for you are generous. You, God, are able to bless us abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that we need, we will abound in every good work. We praise you, God, for you are good. You, Lord, are good, a refuge in times of trouble. You care for those who trust in you. You love us as your children. You provide us with all we need. You are a holy and just God who can do no wrong. You are always with us, and you work all things together for our good. God, we put our trust in you as your beloved children, for you, Father, are worthy of our trust. Amen. Your love is devoted. 
Like a ring of solid gold, like a vow that is tested, like a covenant of old, your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon. Your mercy for today, faithful you have been. Faithful you will be, you pledge yourself to me, and it's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips. Ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips. Yeah, feel free to stand. You father the orphan. Your kindness makes us whole. You shoulder weakness. Your strength becomes our own. You're making me like you. You're clothing me in white, bringing beauty from ashes. You will have your bride, free of all her guilt and rid of all her shame known by her name, and that's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips. You will be praised, you will be praised, with angels and saints we sing worthy are you Lord, you will be praised, you will be praised, with angels and saints we sing worthy are you
Amen. Have a seat. Wow, that was awesome. That was, that was really good, guys. Thanks for the worship. Uh, thanks for the music. So, Hey, that was fun. Um, we just put a bunch of steaks in here, and uh, we left a few more out there that we didn't put in yet just to make sure that we've got a little bit going on the next service also, and, and uh, it's filling up. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start out praying, and then uh, in between, just um, we're going to give you 15, 20 seconds uh, after mine just to uh, take some quiet time on your own and pray, and then Cindy's going to pick it up and, and close it out. So, uh, uh, God, we come to you with just, just open, humble hearts. Just, uh, we are so, so thankful. We have uh, just, a, just a huge amount of gratitude that you have given us all that you have given us. Uh, it's been a long 20-some uh, years, and, and uh, we've just continued to uh, try to honor you, God. Uh, we we, we want to serve you. Uh, we want to help people find and follow Jesus, and we thank you so much for the opportunity to be part of your journey and part of your journey through this this uh, uh, building, this church, uh, this membership, this fellowship. God, thank you for bringing all this and all this that you've given to us. Um, now take some time on your own, just uh, 20 seconds or so. Dear Heavenly Father, um, I am just so in awe of you and the many, many blessings, Father, that you have provided through New Hope Church to me and to my family, but more, Lord, to all the people that are here gathered today, Lord, that I consider my family, that we are one, Lord, we are one that comes to worship you, come to give you gratitude and thank you. And I am just so thankful, Father, for this opportunity to continue to um, your continue your work, Lord. This is your work. We are just your hands and feet. Father, help us to um, to continue to seek you, to seek your wisdom. Um, that you have provided already, Lord, in this uh, journey that we have called New Hope Church. Again, everyone that is here, I am so thankful for each and every one of them, also online. And Father, we just give you all the praise. And this is not about us, Lord. It is all about you and how we can help a community, a, a world, be the light, Lord, for you. It's all about you, Lord. And we just give you all the great graciousness and thankfulness and gratitude that you are our awesome God, that you provide not only the what, Lord, but also the how, that you provided over 2,000 years ago, Lord, how we could be reconciled with you through your son, your son, Jesus, that he was not only the what, but also the how. And we just thank you, Father, for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, New Hope. This is uh, sure a special morning, isn't it, to be together, to gather. I want to welcome you that are here on campus, also online. Glad that you're with us. I'm Ryan, the lead pastor, if we haven't met. 
And uh, as we talk about staff, oftentimes, there's no such thing as a throwaway Sunday. Every Sunday when we gather is important, but there's something about today. There's something about today as we uh, wrap up the second inning effort for the Expanding Hope uh, campaign that we have been talking about for not just weeks, I mean really year plus as we have together uh, sought the Lord in prayer, that as I look out here just on the campus to see the faces of people that have devoted hours of planning, uh, of prayer, of strategizing, of meeting, of as we just prayed of God, you have put this, this what on our heart, but we don't know how this is going to happen, but we trust you. And then here we are today as we wrap up the second inning, and I just more than anything else want to tell all of you thank you. Thank you for how you've prayed. Uh, thank you that uh, the stakes have been coming back and, and households have said, count us in. We want to be a part of this. We want to be a part of something bigger than us. That is a generational impact is, is the vision that we have that we want to ask God that he would work in us, that we would help people find and follow Jesus. And I know we say that all the time and it can become sort of those six words. We just hear them and then we don't hear them anymore. You know what I mean? But that we would hear them in a fresh way. And that as we together link arms, serving and standing shoulder to shoulder to trust him as we move forward, and the building is just a tool, but it's symbolic of a commitment that we have to reach people throughout Dallas County. I couldn't imagine just journeying with anybody else except you as my friends. I'm just so thankful. So I want to tell you thank you this morning for how you have, have responded here for this Expanding Hope campaign. And maybe you're wondering what's next. Well, what's going to happen is that we'll, we'll tally up all the, all the details of, of the campaign as today we wrap it up, and that will be communicated out to all of you as a church. And uh, you can mark your calendars. This is in your bulletin if you forget, but on October the 24th, after the second service, we're going to have an informational meeting, and we would invite any of you and all of you to come and be a part of that. And, and, uh, and we'll, we'll share the information again, and, and we'll invite questions, and the architects will be here here, and we'll just have a conversation and pray together as we seek God for the next step that we have. And so circle that date on your calendar, if you would, and as we uh, continue just to walk with Him and to trust Him. So uh, uh, just some housekeeping things, too, before we jump into the Scriptures this morning. Uh, if you brought a gift for God, an offering, and, and you would like to give that, we have some different ways that that can happen digitally, but we also have a box in the lobby if you're here on campus, and you can give your gift there in that box, as well as the connection card. And so we always encourage people to fill this out. The back side has the prayer requests, of course, and the front side are just ways to let us know that you are here and if there's some opportunities you would like to be a part of, including Embracing Hope, as well as a baptism celebration that we have coming up. You can check those, those boxes. And speaking of bulletin, uh, uh, inside your bulletin, and hopefully you have one and are ready to take some notes here in just a moment, but on, inside is lots of happenings going on. I'm not going to talk through those, but except to mention that today we are launching a brand new online bulletin feature. Now, if you're like, oh no, I love the paper. What are you doing with the paper? I like, you know, to hold it and to feel it and to fill in the blanks. Paper is not going away. But we've added this online feature now, which is a fantastic thing. So whether you're watching online or you're on campus, this is a way that you can go to the Bible app. You just download that on your phone, uh, click more and events. And once you sort of navigate the first time, it makes perfect sense. But on there, if, if, you, if you even this morning want to do it, you can, but you have your phone uh, on the online bulletin, what you'll find there is a link. You can click on that. It opens up the full version of the paper bulletin that we hand out every Sunday. So you can see the full version of the paper bulletin. Uh, going down a little further, you can click on another button, and that has the connection card, a digital connection card. So everything that's on the connection card, paper-wise, you can fill it out digitally and submit that. It all works exactly the same. 
And then all the slides that are here in-house as well as online this morning, those are all there, and you can click uh, a notes section. You can take notes on this. And then here's the great thing. You can save it, and you can share it. And so it's a neat feature that you can use, and some of you will lean in and love it. Others, maybe not as much, but I know it's available to you, and we'll keep talking about it in the weeks to come. But uh, maybe something this morning as you follow along that you want to check out and, and enjoy this morning. Okay, so speaking of Bible, if you would grab yours, digital or print, whatever you have with you this morning, and turn to two places. We're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 17, as well as 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1 this morning. So two different places, Acts 17, 1 Thessalonians 1. And this morning we are launching a new sermon series called Living Ready. And we're going to be journeying through Paul's two letters to the church in Thessalonica. The books are 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, and if you're confused where that's at, table of contents is a great thing. Just use that and find your way there. This morning we'll be starting in 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to be looking at lots of different topics over the next weeks or so together through this series. But the big idea is this, that God would help you and I to learn to both believe and behave as if Jesus is coming back, because guess what? He's coming back. That we would learn what it means to live ready in that posture of anticipation with, as I'll talk about this morning, our feet planted but our eyes lifted to who he is and what he wants to accomplish, and yet we have work to do today. How do we live ready, and what does that look like? This book is going to really help us, both books, First and Second Thessalonians, navigate together that question and to learn that to learn that. Now, if you have your bulletin, whether digital or uh, a paper version, here's your very first fill-in-the-blank this morning as we get started. And it's one that, as Randy was up here praying, he was already unpacking this. The idea that every church has a story, just like every person has a story, that we all have a, a, a story. And, and for a church, a church has a beginning. And, and that was in 1999 for New Hope Church as a collection of people trusted God and they, and, and they met together and prayed and began this new work. A church has a beginning, and then chapters begin to unfold after that. And for churches, just like people, there are exciting chapters. There are chapters where you see God move in such a tangible way. But there's also chapters that are hard, aren't there? There's painful chapters. There's chapters you'd like to skip through as fast as possible, and yet that's where God has some of the good stuff for us to learn and for Him to shape a church family. New Hope has navigated all those. But throughout it all, for every church as well as New Hope Church, God, who is sovereign and good, is, is weaving his redemptive story of grace throughout the entire story of New Hope Church as well as your life as well. This is because he's good, and this is what he does in a church. This is why we can trust him. We're going to be looking at a church that began in the year A.D. 50. Our story began in 1999, but for a group of people in a city called Thessalonica, it was early in A.D. 50. There was a couple of men, Paul, who was a missionary, his team Silas and probably Timothy were, were traveling along on a missionary journey, and they came to this city of Thessalonica. And I have a map for you to give you some context of where we're at and what we're talking about. But he would have traveled from Philippi down along the terrain there and ended up in Thessalonica. I want you to notice that Thessalonica is a, is a harbor city. It was a huge, huge city. In fact, it was the capital city of all of Macedonia. This is not a small village. This is a large uh, gathering of people here. It was the capital. It was, in fact, they estimate there was over 200,000 people that lived in this ancient city. Imagine Des Moines. 
This was a city that was wealthy. It was vibrant. There were trade routes, both on land and, as you see, obviously with the harbor through water. There was, there was a lot of different religions expressed in this place. It was very, very ethnically diverse. This was the city that Paul and Timothy and Silas and his team arrived at. And these pictures you see, whether here on campus or online, these are snapshots, both of the harbor, the modern city, but also some of the features that would have been there when Paul had arrived in this large city. And as he did with any city that he traveled to, he, he just prayed, he trusted God, and his practice was to go to the Jewish synagogue first and begin to preach the gospel there. And this is what he did. The story of the church in Thessalonica doesn't actually begin in 1 Thessalonians. It begins in the book of Acts. So if you're in Acts 17, let's join together starting in verse 1, where you can follow along on the screen behind. It says, when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. And as was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days, or seasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and to rise from the dead. By the way, this is a beautiful picture of apologetics, this ability to come and to rationally engage with people and bring people to a place of introducing who Jesus is. It continues on in Paul's proclamation, this Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said, verse 4. And some of the Jews were persuaded, and they joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. This is the beginning this is the story where Paul goes in and he begins to tell people about Jesus and people responded. Just like New Hope's story, people said, yes, I want to receive him as Lord and Savior. Yes, I want a second chance relationship with Christ. And they received him and they began to, to, to form this church of these brand new Christians, these people, what really is a very unlikely group of people, isn't it? I mean, as I said here, you've got these, these uh, Greeks, you've got Jews, you've got prominent women, these people that probably in a city that size never really ever connected. They never knew each other. They never had a reason to relate with each other, except now they did. It was Christ who brought this group together. And so Paul and his team would begin to meet with them. They met probably in homes. And they would gather and pray. And Paul would, and his team would teach them what it means to have a relationship with Christ. This is a group of baby brand new believers, and they're trying to make their way and figure out what this looks like and what this means. As Paul was there in the weeks, he would have uh, moved into the, the city area, and he would have set up a little workshop of sorts. He was a tent maker, and to support himself, we know that there in the city, he set this spot up, and, and there he would try to earn some money to feed himself and his team and to provide for himself. He didn't want to charge anybody in that group of believers for the gospel. But it wasn't just about that, though. Because as Paul was there, he was also doing ministry there, just like we're called to do in our place of home, in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, wherever we go, we point people to Christ. We have that opportunity, and Paul's there in the city, and he's doing ministry there as he's tent-making with the people. The good news is, as this church began to, to, to go over the handful of weeks as it was getting started, it was growing. The people in the church were growing. It was a great time of encouragement, and we'll see over and over again in this letter to 1 Thessalonians, Paul loved this group of Christians. He absolutely got so attached to them, maybe more than any other church. He loved these people so much. That's the good news. The bad news is almost right away, persecution began to hit these people. They barely were trying to figure out their way through the Bible, and all of a sudden, they're getting bombarded 
and not in a good way. Let's keep going. Verse 5 of Acts 17. It says, but other Jews were jealous, and so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. They, they formed a mob, and they started a riot in the city. And they rushed to Jason's house in search of, of Paul and Silas. This was probably one of the houses where they would gather, of course, in order to, to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men have caused trouble all over the world, have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. And when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. And then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. That idea of posting bond, what that meant was that those Jason and, and the others had to take personal responsibility before the city officials, that if anything else happened, any other turmoil, any other event, that they would be personally responsible for this. Well, Paul heard about this, and he didn't want to put that weight on Jason and the others, and so Paul made a difficult decision. He decided to pack up his things, and he left. Paul was devastated when he left. He didn't want to leave. He loved these people. These were, these were brand new Christians, a brand new church, and, and he knew he was leaving them without a leader. He knew they still had questions. He knew that this was a city that was full of idol worship and full of distractions, and he also knew that they were being persecuted. It's so easy to give up when the hard times come. And so with a heavy heart and worry, he began to, to, to do the only thing he knew to do as he left the city, and that is he began to pray. Any, any parent, you know what this feels like, don't you? You love your kids. And it's easy to worry for your kids. And so you pray, and you pray, and you pray. And this is the part of Paul. He's, he's praying for these people as he has to leave and, and go on his way. We, we know from the, this book here in 1 Thessalonians, which we'll see over and over, that Paul tried to come back, but it never worked out. And so Paul went on with his journeys. This map will show you where he went next. Thessalonians in the upper left-hand corner. He traveled down to Athens. And there he couldn't take any longer and so he, he was with Timothy, and he said, Timothy, I, I've got to send you back. I've got to know how they're doing. And so in Athens, he sends Timothy back to Thessalonians, probably to be sneaky sneak, and go back into the city and connect with this church and to see how are they doing and bring back a report. And so Timothy goes on his way, and, and, and Paul stays in Athens. Well, after a handful of months, Paul had to move on, and so he went then to Corinth. Well, when he was in Corinth, Timothy returned. He came back with a report. And you just, I could imagine this gathering was Timothy shows up and Paul cannot wait to hear, how's this church doing? How are they? These people I pray for and love so much. And thankfully it was good news. Timothy comes back and he says, Paul, you're not going to believe it. This group of believers, they are being persecuted. They are suffering. They are going through hard times, but it doesn't matter. They are so sold out for Christ. They are thriving as a church, these brand new Christians are thriving. That church is growing. And Paul, you could imagine, was so excited, so in the best way overwhelmed. He did the only thing he knew. Verbally, he picked up a pen and paper, and he began to sit down to write them a letter. A letter where he wanted to tell them how proud he was of them, how much he loved them. He wanted to encourage them in their faith. He also knew they had questions. Timothy brought back a whole list of questions that these young Christians had. He wanted to begin to answer some of their questions. 
That brings us to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians is this letter that Paul sits down to write to this church of people that he loves very much. So if you would flip there now to 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to begin a wonderful book that we're going to enjoy for many weeks to come called 1 Thessalonians. Let's begin in verse 1. It begins with a standard greeting, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church, in Thess- uh, to the church of the Thessalonians. In God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. Now, I want you to notice something now. Paul is going to, oh, we all do this too. He's going to go down memory lane. He's going to remember some special moments that they had together. These are real people that Paul loved, and they spent time of just God's faithfulness and goodness. Verse 2, it says, We always thank God for all of you, and we continually mention you in our prayers. That is not exaggeration. We remember before our God and Father your works produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. And you know how we we lived among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. Can you catch your Paul's uh, pastoral heart, his love for them? He says, let's remember together how good God has been. Let's remember together just the things that he did in you and now is doing through you. And I want to take a moment to echo that here this morning. See, the New Hope story is very different than the Thessalonian story, except I would say this. I see God working in you, and I see God working through you, and it's just one one pastor that you have here at at this church, and, and you all have the same eyes to see. So often, I sit back in utter awe of watching him work through you. You know, the good stuff that's happening here, it's not happening from the staff. It's happening from a community of people who love him, who walk with him. We're not perfect, but we want to pursue him with all that we have. And as one of your pastors, I just want to affirm you and say, well done. Our story's not over. It's just beginning. But well done in your pursuit of him, your love for him. Because I know that there are ways that you, you have sacrificially prayed, you have sacrificially given, that all of us at some point, you have set aside your preferences for a greater mission. The mission to reach people, to love people, to equip people. That's what we're about, helping people find and follow Jesus. Well done, New Hope Church. Verse 7, as we begin to wrap up this passage here, only a few more verses. Paul continues and he says, And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. This is so cool. This brand new church, this group of brand new Christians, Paul says, you're, you're actually the model church for other people to look at. Did you realize that? Brand new Christians sold out serving him, and God is using this group of people to become an example to other churches in the area. Verse 8, the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. 
Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They, they tell how you, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. This is fantastic. This, this young church is this model example church to other churches around the world. And Paul says, you have become this example I want to close with this one idea. What, what was their example? What exactly was the example this young church was demonstrating to other people around the world? It was two things. It's in verses 9 and verse 10. And there you're next fill in the blanks. Here's your next fill in the blank is this, because here's the first thing that this church exemplified to other people. It's this, that they committed to follow Jesus no matter what. It's right there in verse 9. They turned from idols and they served the Lord. And I don't want us to miss this. Please don't miss this. That cost them something. In fact, that cost them a lot. Just that verse, to live out that verse, to turn away from idols and, and to begin to serve the Lord, that cost them tremendously. See, see, they were no longer than serving Caesar, which means they would have stood out tremendously. They, they, were, they would have experienced family divisions. They probably lost employment. They probably were in, in conflict scenarios. The civic gods are going along to get along with everybody else and just trying to fit in. When you're a Christian, that's really hard to do when you're pursuing Jesus. It is today and it was then. And this group was being persecuted in an immense way. But here's the thing that's a credit to them and why they were an example. They counted the cost. They said, we'll pay it. We'll pay it. So I want to ask this morning, how about us? How about us? You see, it may be that our story is going to have some chapters that are coming to where there's going to be a price to pay for your commitment to follow Christ. I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know if and when. But it just may be that in our individual lives or collectively as a church, we've got to make a decision about that. But can I suggest that this morning, that that decision is already made? Because see, here at New Hope Church, we are committed to this idea. That we at New Hope Church, we are committed that we will follow Jesus today, next week, next year, decades, and generations to come. And not only Jesus, but his word, we will stand on it, no matter the cost. This is who we are. And this is where we stand as a church and Lord willing, when that commitment gets tested, we will stand strong. So that's the first way they were an example. Here's the second way, and we'll close with this. This young church committed to live today like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. That's in verse 10. And the, and the truth is, he is coming back. We don't know what day it is, but he is coming back. This young church said, though, that we will believe and behave like Jesus is coming back. See, there's something about this young church that even though they were young believers, they got it. There was something that clicked with them. They understood how to live ready, how to live today in light of what he wants to do tomorrow, to live today like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. And that's what we're going to learn through this letter as we go. But I want to ask the same question. How about us? I also want to affirm that we as a church are also committed to this, that we too would be these kinds of people, 
And what this means as we talk about the idea of living ready, it means that we will be people, that we will have our feet planted, but our eyes lifted. Say, what does that mean? It means that we will have our feet planted, and what that means is that, that, that today matters, and people matter, and God has placed you and I here for such a time as this, and that for this season and these moments that we have, we have breath in our lungs, we have moments and opportunities and people around us that God would use us right here, right now to make an eternal impact in the lives of someone else. Church, we have work to do. This world matters. People matter. And this is what we're committed to as a church. But as we're doing this, our feet planted because we have work to do here, our eyes are fixed on Jesus. As it says in Hebrews, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We plant our feet, but we anticipate his return. This is how we live ready. This is who we are, and this is how we move forward. And as we do so, God is going to work in a tremendous way. See, Jesus is coming back. And the reason he's coming back is because he already came once. See, he was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, and he was sacrificed outside of Jerusalem on a cross to pay the penalty for your sins and for mine. And the Lord gave the church a gift among many gifts. And the gift is what we call communion. Because a communion is a time where we can gather together and we can, we can remember we can remember who Jesus is and what he's done for us and tell him thank you. Not only do we, do we look back to do that, but we also, communion is a time to look in. It's a time to, to reflect on your own relationship with God and your own standing with him. It's a time of confession. It's a time of coming before him and saying, God, this is, I know, an area that is not honoring of you right now, and so I want to confess this to you. That's a beautiful thing to do. Not only during communion do we, do we look back and we look in, but we also look ahead to the return of Christ. That he who came, who paid the penalty for our sins, is coming back one day for his bride, the church. And for that, we're very excited and we anticipate. At this time now, I want to invite you as the church to, to celebrate and to participate in communion. So I'd like to ask the elders to get positioned there, and the and, uh, worship team can come on up and get set up as well. And as you see, the seating in here is a little bit different. I know online you can't tell necessarily, but here's what I'd like to ask you to do. That, that in just a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn you loose, so to speak, and, and I want to invite you first and most that you just spend time with God, that you would enjoy Him and talk with Him that's what this morning is all about. And then when you're ready, if you, wherever you're sitting, if you're on this side, you would get up and come down the center aisle. If you're on this side, you'd also get up and come down the center aisle. Peel around. There's the tables there. The elders are there to serve it. Bring the items back down the side aisles and just go ahead and grab your seat again. We're not in any hurry. And when you have the elements, if you'd hold on to them, please, and we're going to partake together in just a few moments. And so I'd invite you now to spend time with God, and as you're ready, that you would begin to come up and receive the elements. Let's go before God now and pray to him.
On the night of his arrest and betrayal, Jesus with his disciples took common everyday elements of the day, bread and wine, and he ascribed new meaning to them. So that when we see bread and they would see the wine, they remember Jesus and the sacrifice that he gave, his body broken and his life, his blood spilled for the sins of many. And this morning, that's what we do now 2,000 years later is we have the bread and the juice and we remember who Jesus is. We tell him thank you this morning. In Luke 22, Jesus with his disciples there, he took bread and he broke it. He says, this represents my body. Every time you take of this, remember me and what I've done for you. Let's partake together. And then later that evening, he took the juice, the wine for him, the juice for us, and he, he blessed it and he said, this represents the new covenant this represents my, my life given for you. Whenever you drink of this, remember me. Let's partake together. I'd like to invite Tim to come on up as we pray together. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we've heard a little bit about all the stories of how you've been so faithful over the years at New Hope Church and with this family. And uh, we're thankful. We are thankful. Um, as we move forward with the next step in the story, uh, we pray for unity of this body. We, uh, we see the chaos in the world. We see the darkness in the world. And we want to be a shining light, Lord. We want to shine brighter and brighter. And we do that by being unified in you, Lord. Um, our only hope is in you, Lord. And as we uh, ponder the next step, and we think about the facility, it's really about you and people, Lord. And if we just take a moment to consider all the souls that will be walking through those doors and have been coming in already, um, we just are honored that you let us be a part of the story, Lord. Help us to be people that follow you well, to to be like the church that we're talking about, the Thessalonians, and how they were so on fire that they were a model for other churches, Lord. Help us to be that kind of church. We can only do it through you, Lord. We can only do it if we're unified as a family. And, uh, and so we pray, Lord, that you will help us be that kind of church, that we will be those kind of followers that shine so brightly that it's, it's unmistakable that, that you are behind it and, and that we're an attraction to the world around us, Lord. We pray all these things in your name, Lord. Amen. We gotta end on a good song. If you could stand and worship with us, that'd be awesome.